asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking about reacting rationally to rising rates. Yeah, by this point, everybody knows that we like alliteration. You definitely like alliteration yeah, more I do. than I do. <laughs> uh, but what I like about the title of this episode is the rational part. That's the, the word that I'm drawn to because we don't want to just have a knee-jerk reaction to the changing rates and, and how it is that you should be responding. But we want you to first think about it. We want you to react rationally. That's what we're going to do today. Yeah, and by the way, if you've been hiding under a rock, the, the Fed has announced that they're going to hike rates for longer than they initially thought. Mm -hmm. And they've opened the door to those larger half-point increases as well. So this is something that we can all expect to continue. Do you think that he, Jerome, Jay Powell, do you think he, he likes being in the spotlight? you think he likes the limelight? I don't think that's his style. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I think he's kind of been forced into it, but it's, it's not necessarily it, his jam. It, it kind of reminds me of Fauci because, you know... He he was like an expert and folks were wanting to talk to him, kind of get his take. Similarly, it's, it's, I feel like Jay Powell's in a similar boat where folks yeah. are like, hey, something that's affecting all of us, you're kind of responsible <laughs> for how, like the policy moving yeah. forward. And But I agree. He seems to be willing to do the work, but doesn't like talking about it yeah. otherwise, because I don't think he wants to get blamed with <laughs> how it is. Uh, it's impacting certain folks or certain organizations. Right. I mean, he's turned down our podcast request uh, for, for interviews like every he, time. He has. We, we email him every single week. <laughs> but uh, this it's is like, no, guys, no. <laughs> this is going to be a very practical episode because folks are wanting to know what should you be doing with your money uh, in this environment yeah. of, uh, yeah, it impacts of rising rates. Debt, savings, all sorts of stuff. For, and, and should it impact your investments? We'll discuss. Exactly. Uh, but another question, Joel, what do you do if you show up at Aldi and you don't have a quarter? Um, do you know? Okay, yeah. So I do know. I have literally done this and I, I go up to one of the folks at the cash register and ask to borrow a quarter. Did you do? Okay. And I, I didn't always, know this was a thing. You've yeah. literally done this? Oh, yeah. 
well, shoot. I thought, <laughs> I thought this was going to be news for you. No. So, but maybe for our listeners, you didn't know that you could do this. But yeah. The, they always do it. Evidently, cool. this yeah. is a thing. It is, uh, it's built into their budget. Like, they budget for it. I think oh, really? a cashier is allowed to uh, dispense up to $5. It's kind of like a bartender. They can get free, five yeah, free beers on their yeah. shift. Yeah, and something. it makes sense, right? Because if you are like, dang it, I don't have a quarter. You want to get folks in the door, mm-hmm. and they are now just incentivized to put the cart back. I always uh, give the quarter back when I'm done. By the way, you I don't. I give the quarter back when I'm done. Yeah, I don't well, take it with me. I, I would do the same thing as well for sure. But uh, but yeah, evidently, I, I don't know how easy this is to do. But you can take a key off of your keychain and stick that in the quarter slot as oh. well. Evidently, that triggers the release. Well, I just want, okay, I want which to... also is going to incentivize you to then put the cart back. It's not yeah. about the money per se. It's just about incentivizing you to not leave your cart you know, out there in the parking lot yeah. so they don't have to hire somebody. Exactly. Yeah, I wanted to keep, keep the cost I low. I wanted to explain that's how Aldi works. Like, So basically, you stick a quarter in to get the cart out. And if you haven't been to an Aldi before, we, we talk about Aldi as basically like the lowest cost nationwide grocery store that you should consider shopping at because it's going to save you a bundle. But one of the ways they keep the cost low and they have a bunch of different ways they do this but but one is that you pay a quarter to get the shopping cart but then you get your quarter back because yes it prevents them having to employ people to go out there and yep. grab carts out of the parking lot and bring them back up which is just a it's like a never-ending job like <laughs> when i go to costco or i see people at kroger or something like that it's like those cart fetchers they're working their butts off to do that and so aldi just says yeah if you take a few extra steps that's going to help us bring our cost down and we'll pass those savings on to you exactly I love it. I, it just seems like it's, it's such a smart system. Yeah. Uh, this is a way that you can reduce the cost. And German efficiency. Completely. At its finest. Uh, fire, not fire somebody, but you base your entire business around not having to hire cart boys. Sure. Well, when you think about how many people are working at an Aldi at a given time, it's like four or five. Like, it's not yeah. that many people. It's like two people. <laughs> yeah. It feels <laughs> yeah. like it's two. Because they're also stocking the shelves. Yeah. And then when they see somebody going up to the front, they like jog up there to the front of the store, yeah. ring some folks up. That's why your cucumber costs 30 cents less. I love it, man. I love it. Let's quickly introduce the beer that you and I are going to enjoy that we're sharing during this episode. This is a Schwartz beer, which is, uh, it says below it, it's a lager. This one is by New Park Brewing, donated to the show by Matthew. We will give our thoughts on this one at the end of the show. Yes, we will. But let's get on to the topic at hand, reacting rationally to rising rates. And uh, Matt, this made me think of the fact that the rational thing to do is to put on clothes when you walk out the door, right? Uh, in, unless you live in a nudist colony, maybe. <laughs> Which I don't know if, if there's many how to money listeners who fit I, into that camp. I prefer the never nude, never <laughs> nudist con- colonies. You got you got to wear the the cut up jean shorts for sure. Yeah, that's that's one way to go about it. But like, which clothes you opt to put on? are largely determined by the weather. What's going on that day? I check the weather app every single morning because then I'm like, okay, cool. Is it a shorts day or is it a pants day? And yeah. Like, or is it a shorts with long sleeve shirt day? Right. Those are my favorites. Exactly. Or do I need like the layered jacket because man, the temperature is going to change by like 30 degrees today and it's going to be cold cool in the morning and actually like really hot later in the afternoon. Well, and, and we're kind of right in the middle of like seasons changing, which impact us on a lot of levels. I feel like a lot of people have more allergies right right now when oh, the seasons yeah. are changing. You're one of them, right? Oh yeah, I'm definitely trying not to scratch my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can feel the pollen in my eyes. My body wants me to scratch it, but yes. I know what happens if I do. It gets well, worse. The pollen counts here in Georgia, like they literally go off the charts. It's, it's ridiculous. Roof. Yeah. it's. I forget what high on pollen is. It's like 100 or something like that, but then our pollen counts like 2,000 and I'm like... It's I, like 100,000, dude. Like, it's, it's, how, do we, how do we break it to that it's extreme? It's like the Richter scale. Like, it goes right. up exponentially. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, um, th- the thing is, changing seasons, they impact our, they change our behavior. And, and in addition to, to changing kind of like, you know, what we put on in the morning, they change the sports we watch and, and the changing seasons, they, they change what we plant in the garden. Mm-hmm. And the macroeconomic weather 
has been changing lately, Matt. That's pretty clear. Lots changed in the past 24 months. All eyes, like you said, have been on Jay Powell and the Fed. And uh, rate hikes are likely to continue this year. You don't want to be necessarily wearing shorts in 32-degree weather. And so like, like this That's episode, true. it's really about how you should react to those changes so you're not caught off guard. That's right. Yeah, so personal finance, man, it is not one of those subjects where advice tends to shift in a major way. Most of the financial truisms out there, you can take those to the bank, no matter what is happening on a macro higher level. What was true last year? It's likely going to be true this year most of the time. I'm, I'm guessing this is an instance where like the 80-20 principle applies, right? Like that foundational 20%, like that's going to hold firm no matter what. And it's pretty much always going to get you 80% of the way there. Uh, but that also doesn't mean that there isn't nuance and that you shouldn't make some changes as our financial climate is changing. Uh, this is an episode about that remaining 20% of results and performance <laughs> that you're looking to squeeze out of your money. We always want you saving, investing, and paying down crappy debt. Uh, but what you prioritize first and the approach that you take, that you know it might look a bit different as interest rates have risen quite a bit over the, the past year, and they're likely going to be hiked even more here in 2023. Yeah, for sure. And, and so we thought it was going to be important for us to talk about the, the why behind the rate hikes for a second before we get to kind of some of the, not necessarily solutions, but the ways you think about your debt and your savings and kind of how you handle your money differently because you're going to yeah, probably take a different approach than you would have in 2020. And we don't want to bore you or anything, but yeah, here's the... Never the, our goal. The TLDR. <laughs> uh, they're largely a reaction, of course, to the fact that inflation has run amok. And we've all noticed this in our own personal lives. We've noticed it at the grocery store, right? Even at Aldi, they're charging more for some of your favorite items. And then that begs the question, well, why is inflation crazy. Why has it run amok? Well, it's mostly because of the pandemic-induced supply chain issues alongside the government kind of overdoing it on the stimulus response, basically putting too much money into the economy, too much money then chasing too few goods. That's right. Causing the economy to overheat. That's kind of how inflation happens. And the Fed, it really has one blunt tool to try and tame inflation, and that is to raise interest rates. They don't have a, a toolbox at their disposal with a bunch of different things. This is the way they kind of try to hammer inflation back into shape, and in shape for them is back down to 2%. That's kind of what they're shooting for mm -hmm. every single year is to see a 2% rate of inflation. And they've increased rates eight times over the past year. And to put it in perspective, rates haven't been that high since the year 2000. Makes me think of Conan O'Brien, the year 2000. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, it's been a while since rates have been this high. And they're like like we said, they're likely to go even higher. That's right. Yeah. So the big question is: Are the Fed rate hikes working? And our, our best answer is going to be kind of, sort of. <laughs> uh, but inflation is not going down as much or as quickly as the Fed would like. In fact, the recent numbers measuring PCE, that's the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, uh, it rose a lot more than experts were uh, predicting last month. And the Fed, they, they look at the PCE more closely because it's a better indicator of actual consumer spending habits, uh, as opposed to just the straightforward sticker prices of goods, right? And so, so a lot of times you'll see the price of energy. This is how much it costs per barrel of oil or per therm, that kind of thing. But it doesn't take into account substitutes, right? Mm -hmm. And so like we've all heard about the like eggs cost more money. Mm-hmm. Folks are tired of hearing of eggs. Uh, let's, <laughs> uh, bread. The cost of bread has actually gone up. Uh, it's like something like 20 or 30 percent over the year. The cost of used year. cars looked like it was going down and then boom, they kind of shot back up at the yeah. beginning of the year too. But what the PCE looks at is it 
factors in substitutes that people make because of these higher prices. And so what are people actually spending their dollars on? That's what the Fed is interested in, because that is what ultimately has an, uh, more of an impact on on inflation. But not only that, unemployment, it is also still near record lows. It's the lowest since 1969. We bring that up because it's not that the Fed wants folks out there to lose their jobs. It's just that a cooling labor market, that would signal inflation coming down. And they are laser focused on that end goal. Uh, but the economy, it's still looking really good <laughs> in many respects, surprisingly, which means inflation is going to remain a problem, which means that the Fed will have to continue hiking rates, uh, as some folks out there have put it. Good economic news is actually bad news from the Fed's viewpoint, from yeah. the standpoint of what they're going to be doing with interest rates. Because good news means inflation continues to roar, and inflation continuing to roar means that we have a problem. we got to get this under control because in, in soaring inflation causes other problems in the economy, especially for people at the lower end of the wage spectrum. Yeah. And, and Interest rate beatings will continue until yeah, uh, yeah. inflation morale Yeah, you'll continue <laughs> to, like, to <laughs> use the Bam Bam Club on inflation. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of how it's going to go. And let, let's talk about some good news uh, first on the savings front because for like when we're talking about the impact that inflation has had and subsequent rate hikes well it's been best out there best news uh, has come for savers for the first time in a long time like people who are saving money can actually rejoice at the rates they're seeing it's been a long time since we've been able to say that for the better part of a decade or, or really longer when rates were just rates were in the basement and about the best you could hope to make on money that you were stashed in, into your savings account was half a percent and, and when we're talking about like the big banks it's interesting they never really changed their tactics. They're always paying 0.01%, but uh, the best banks in the country were paying half a percent on savings. But now we're talking about being able to get somewhere close to 10 times that, right? A, a guaranteed FDIC insured 5% on savings products like CDs and mm -hmm. definitely a guaranteed 4% on just regular old savings accounts from some of the better online banks. But uh, it just shows that the disparity is even bigger than before because, like I said, the big banks paying something like 0.01%. Well, it's even it was time to leave back in the day, right, when you were getting paid half a percent at an online bank. But now it's most definitely uh, time to leave because online banks are really the only place you're going to get these better rates. They offer other benefits too. So if, if we're talking about how to react rationally to rising rates, well, one of the things would be to ditch your, your crappy bank who isn't paying you anything on savings because the environment has changed just so much. And we would say, yeah, don't let the this rising tide of better returns on savings pass you by. That's right. And CIT, they have offered the most consistently great products, by the way. Uh, we'll link to their, their best savings account in the show notes, which, by the way, it's the Savings Connect account. They've actually, it's kind of weird. They, got, they have two different products and only one of them uh, is where they're offering that yeah. premium that really nice rate. Which I don't necessarily understand. It's something, I think it has something to do with maybe like the bank that they were with previously. Okay. Like they still have that as a product, but then they were purchased by another bank. And then this is essentially an offering of that new bank. Yeah. Or I'm just making stuff up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but this the, is... The, re the reality is this can make a difference of no, yes. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds it, it of dollars deal. in returns on your money. Whereas before the stakes were small, the stakes have gotten a lot bigger. That's right. And this is, I mean, it's good news, right? Obviously, folks are going to finally be able to get some margin in their lives, which is going to mean that they, well, it's beneficial for multiple reasons. Folks are being incentivized to save a little bit more. Uh, and so there's a, oh man, this is great. I'm actually earning yeah. some money on my money. But then secondly... You don't them, feel like a complete bum for saving money now. That's right. But 
they're going to have that margin on hand and that is going to allow them to avoid the worst kinds of debt because they finally have some financial margin mm-hmm. and they're not living paycheck to paycheck. But one other savings adjacent instrument that has experienced a surge of interest is the I-bond, uh, the inflation bond. Most folks had no idea what these were 18 months ago. Over the past 12 months, we've had a, a resurgence of folks who, who are interested in those, especially when that for that one six-month period, it was basically 10%. Yeah, well, the, and it was the, incredibly attractive. On the Friday flight, we talked about just like the, the record inflows of dollars that have gone into I-bonds because rates have been just so attractive there. So much higher than they have been historically. Uh, and the value of I-bonds has, or what the, the what rate that they're offering, it has less to do with rising interest rates. And it obviously, so it's got more to do with inflation running hot, thus the I-bonds, I for inflation. But since that's the, the whole reason that the Fed is raising interest rates right now because of inflation, it's worth covering in this episode. Uh, I-bonds, they continue to be a solid medium-term savings vehicle. And you can still snag a close to a 7% return on I-bonds if you purchase them before the end of April. That's when they reset and they mm-hmm. reset, they remeasure inflation basically and reset those rates to whatever they think that they should be at. But keep in mind or notice that I mentioned that these are solid medium term savings vehicles. Uh, and that's because once you put money into an I-bond, that money, it's locked up. You cannot touch it for 12 mm-hmm. months. After those 12 months, you can access that money, but you are then going to be giving up three months worth of interest. Yeah. So it's not ideal. Like it's it's not where you're going to stick money that you're going to want to be able to access in an emergency. These are for some of those ideally like three, maybe three to five year goals. It actually just reminds me of the fact that I've got some money sitting there and I don't have it earmarked in any way. Same. I um, literally put like 10 grain in in December of yeah. 2021 and then 10 <laughs> grain in in January of 2022. And I'm just kind of like letting it hang. It's just and, sitting there yeah. and I'm like waiting to th- see what happens. There's going to be something that I think I'll be able to put it towards, but it's kind of fun because it's not retirement money, right? Uh-huh. I don't consider it a, you know, as part of like my nest egg, but it's also literally every other dollar I have that I, that I budget. I've got savings categories and every dollar is accounted for. Like I'm either saving towards something that money is getting spent every single month or that money is getting invested. And so this is money that feels a little bit like uh, like bonus money, like yeah. money that is that feels free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's kind of painful to set that money aside yeah. back when we did. But. Well, I mean, I-bonds are still, I think, a really great choice, like you said, for medium-term savings. And I think it paid 7%, basically 6.89 to be exact, return on your money. And to have that guaranteed by the federal government, again, that rate is going to adjust. But for, for folks who have some extra cash and they don't want to put it in the market, but they do want to spend it in all likelihood sometime, like you said, in the next few years, I think I-bonds are still a great choice. And they, in addition to higher rates on savings, are, are one of the silver linings, basically, of inflation and rising rates. But we've we've got to get to some bad news, Matt. It's not all good good stuff. Savers, fortunately, have benefited from rising rates. But we got to talk about how people should approach debt. And, and so much of how you should approach debt comes down to what kind of debt it is. We'll get into the specifics right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. 
Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it. Minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. We are back from the break and we are still reacting rationally to rising rates. And it is now time to get to the bad news, which is mostly on the debt front. Uh, and you you alluded to this, Joel, but like, it is important to mention that your approach to debt in an environment of rising rates like that should differ depending on the specific type of debt that we're talking about. And that's because the impact can be massively different depending not just on the rate, but also the term, uh, whether or not that interest rate is locked or, or whether that debt is uh, a variable rate. And so we'll talk about a few different types and we'll offer our thoughts on what your approach should be. First, let's talk about credit cards, Joel, because the interest rates on credit cards, they have gone up quite a bit since uh, the rate hikes started about a year ago. Uh, The average rate is now more than 20%. Mm. Man, (laughs) that's too high. That's painful. Uh, That's a far cry from the average interest rate, which was below 12% uh, less than 10 years ago. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, to think that interest rates on credit cards have gone up that much swung and that, we've that far. we've always been against carrying a balance on your credit card uh, but it gets yeah it gets even worse in an environment of rising rates doesn't it and and, and really I, I don't think it changes though our advice on credit cards all that much That's because true. because we've always had kind of that same mentality right we never want people to be in credit card debt 
even if rates were to crater back to what they were a decade ago, even if they were 12%, that's still too high. That's still too much to be paying to Visa and MasterCard. But like, if you have credit card debt, where here's where the rubber meets the road. The fact that rates have risen substantially and are going to continue to go up should cause you to focus more on eliminating any outstanding credit card debt that you've got in short order. Uh, this, this is the kind of debt that crushes people that yeah. really... Uh, inhibits your ability to make progress with your personal finances. So credit card debt is, has gotten worse, uh, has become something that we hate even more than we hated before because rising rates have made it just that much nastier. Yeah, it reminds me. So at some point we talked about interest rates here on the show and we used the analogy of an escalator. And so if you remember, then kudos. Good for you. If you don't remember, we talked about interest rates basically being an escalator. So if you're using interest rates to your advantage, you are riding up that escalator. It is allowing you to get to the next level faster. It is allowing you to achieve your financial goals faster. But let's imagine you are a middle schooler and you decide (laughs) to run up the escalator that's coming down. It is a lot harder to get to that second floor. And that is what it is like to pay these, to make these payments to the credit card companies because of the the high rate that you're having Mm -hmm. to pay there. Um, The interest rate on on credit cards, it's basically like the fastest moving escalator (laughs) that you could possibly be trying to run up. Well, I guess payday loans are probably, those those are the absolute worst. Those are the absolute worst. But yeah, it's it's great. And well, the thing is too, it's because this is variable rate debt that you've taken on if you have credit card debt this could even be debt that you that you incurred over the past two three four or five years and the reality is that because of today's environment more of that payment is going to interest and not to principal which means it's just going to take even longer to get rid of it's even more of a slog yeah Yeah. so pay it off quickly uh and there are ways to make credit card debt less egregious like transferring your debt to a zero percent introductory uh apr card uh, we'll link to an article in the show notes that lists out some of our favorite cards there. But you know, for, for folks who are intent on paying that debt off fast, this can help you to uh, accelerate your progress. Yeah, if you can literally stop that escalator, kind of. Uh, that's uh, essentially what it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's that's the best analogy. Going back to the escalator, you're throwing like a, a, a crowbar, yeah, into, crowbar into in the there. gears. Yeah. Uh, but beware, because opening up another credit card, if you haven't changed your habits, that can venture you you know into an even worse debt situation and you've just got another card to deal with. Yes, exactly. That is where people go wrong with balance transfer cards. It's possible to use it to your financial advantage and, and I think it, it can make sense for a lot of people, but for others who know that they're not going to be able to handle credit well, that's not where we want you to be. That puts you in an even you know, worse situation, like you said, Matt. And let's talk about car loans for a second. So credit cards, that credit card debt is bad no matter what, but it's just gotten worse. Well, uh, car loans are, are kind of different right now and uh, you know, let's talk about the rapidly rising rates we've seen on car loans. The average auto loan rate on a new car right now is 8.67%. And the average... I don't like it. The average... Oh, you're not going to like this one even more than Matt, because the average used, rate... Used car? Used car. Guess what it is. Uh, normally, I feel like it's typically been like a half a percent higher. Oh, no. It's a lot more. It's, it's a lot higher. 13.65. Oh, my gosh. This is according to car dealership guy on Twitter, who Ugh. is a great follow. But yeah, I mean, interest rates on on any car loan, right? New or used, they've just gotten worse and worse. They've been going up and up. And that's in stark contrast to kind of what had been the case with car loans for quite a while. Uh, in, in an era of incredibly low interest rates, we were seeing a lot of dealers offering promotional financing that made it feel like, I mean, the interest rate was 
zero or close to zero in so many cases. But what should you do about your car loan? Well, that depends on a few things. Did you take out your car loan when rates were low a couple of years ago? Or are you planning to take one out now? And different people in different situations to react differently. Our favorite method on the car front is to always pay in cash and to buy a cheaper used car if you can't afford the more expensive one you want. Like 90-month car loans are a no-no. We, we hate that stuff. I don't even know how long that is. Like, like how long is not like that's more than seven years. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. yeah, ninety months. I think ridiculous. it's seven and a half years. Yeah, I mean that's like that, that's like the a terrible idea to be. We I ne- we never want people to become payment buyers when it comes to their automobile. And so if you don't currently have a car loan, but you're thinking of taking one on, think again because of the rates, but also because it might push you into a longer. Uh, loan just in order to be able to afford that payment. And that's not a good place to be in, right? Uh, To be over leveraged for a depreciating asset. But let's say you're already in a car loan and you took it out at the the bottom, right? Uh, When rates were super low during the fall, winter of 2021, you might not want to pay it off early, right? Depending on the rate that you've got. If you've got a low single digits loan and you can easily afford those payments, I mean, it might make sense to keep that puppy around and do better things with the money, like pad your savings or sock more into your investments, investment accounts. This is kind of where the duality, how people should react differently to rising rates, depending on their specific situation and what kind of debt they currently have around. That's right. Let's talk for a minute here about mortgage rates because they don't move in lockstep with the the federal funds rate, uh, but those have gone up quite a bit as well. And this is one of the reasons that uh, has made housing quite a bit less affordable. Um, Basically, anyone out there who's considered buying a new home over the past few years, but hasn't, they... Acutely aware aware of that fact, Mm -hmm. Uh, that has made it that much more difficult to consider moving. A friend of ours, Peter, uh, is leaving a two and a half percent mortgage for a six and a half percent mortgage. He said that he told me he was like, "That's the toughest part of this thing." Like, oh yeah, we feel like it's the best move for our family to to leave where we are to go to this other spot. This this home's going to be awesome for us for years to come. It's really hard to sell a house when you have a two and a half percent mortgage rate and buy one that's at six and a half. Like that, there's like that's like a mental hurdle he's got to overcome. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We would suggest to not overly fixate on mortgage rates, though, you know, as to whether or not you should purchase a home or not, because like there are other factors to consider, like whether or not this is going to be a good fit for your family, if this is the the right home for your stage of life. Schools, like all of these things are more than likely going to be probably more important than just the dollars and the cents. Uh, But if you currently have a mortgage that's crazy low, then you're sitting on a gold mine. We'll actually talk more about the amount of equity that's built up into homes uh, that has built up in, in homes over the past couple of years. Yeah. But bottom line, I mean, this doesn't change the fact, though, that these higher rates have had a massive impact on on the general housing market, right? Like it has decreased the amount of inventory. We're Even though we have seen inventory tick up, I guess, over the past month, we're still and it's not as bad as it was uh, a year ago. I think we were at all time lows a year ago, but it's the lowest has been in like since maybe data has been kept mm-hmm. <laughs> on the statistic. Like the I was looking at a chart and I zoomed out as, as far as I could. And I think the chart started in the early 80s and we are by far basically at the lowest point. Uh, and so this it's, this is only hurting families' abilities to consider moving because the families that they want to buy uh, homes from, they don't have anywhere to go because they l- likely either have a pay-for house or it's like our friend Peter. He's locked into a crazy low rate. Yeah, well, I was going to say there's a lot of families like Peter's family who are making the opposite decision. <laughs> 
and they're saying, you know what, we really want to move, but that gap in mortgage rate is too prohibitive, so we're going to stay put. And so I think that's part of the reason we're seeing low supply. Fewer people moving is because they do have that locked in low rate, yeah. which is keeping supply low, which yes. is... which it's, is It's gumming up the gears, basically, yeah. of allowing folks to, to, to move. Um, but I mean, something else, though, I think that's important to keep in mind is to... Like there is, the, the the more we talk about money here on the show, the more I realize that there, I almost feel like that there's a barrier that keeps people from making the best decision when it comes to purchasing homes because you've got the 30 year fixed rate mortgage, right? And it seems like such a long time frame. It seems like this really daunting thing, but the average uh, homeowner only stays in their house for something like eight years. Yeah. Uh, and so chances are, even if you do stay in that house longer than then, uh, than that. You can always refinance, right? Like when I always used to be against adjustable rate mortgages, and but I think it was just out of a bias. And the more that well, I've looked you, into it, you think, oh, if I'm going to have this house for 30 years, yeah. and I want to make sure I'm locked into the absolute lowest, uh, absolute lowest. Rate. For, for a lot of people, though, you might be able to hop into a 10-1 arm and lower those payments, get a lower interest rate, and then the chances are that you either won't be in that house 10 years from now, yeah. or you would have been able to finance uh, refinance into a lower rate. Yep. So those are things worth considering, right? As interest rates rise, these are the kind of changes that you can make on the margins to be able to make a financial move that, that maybe if you had gone with the, the, the most traditional product, you wouldn't have been able to, you would have had to avoid. So yeah, mortgage rates going up as much as they have in conjunction with kind of home prices going up as much as they did. Granted, they seem to have gone down a little bit. And yeah, so I know mortgage rates going up in many ways because the Fed has been hiking rates. It's really kind of put the kibosh on the housing market in a lot of ways. And it's really had a dramatic impact on wannabe first-time home buyers, but uh, yeah, I think we, we just want to note that there's some some ways to not let interest rates completely drive your decision. But Matt, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about student loans for a second. How have those been impacted by the Fed rate hikes? Well, you know, uh, payments are still on pause. Forgiveness is still in limbo. The Supreme Court is kind of like uh, has has heard hearing the case. We should have a ruling on that case in early early summer. Uh, so until then, we're in just this holding pattern, and we would say. In an, uh, an era of rising rates, this is one of those things where your student loans are effectively, they have an interest rate of zero right now. And so it, it just doesn't make sense to uh, pay anything because of the potential for forgiveness and the reality that you are getting a 0% rate for the time being. There's just no incentive for anybody to be paying on that uh, at all right now. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so back when interest rates were incredibly low, it made sense for some borrowers who were hyper-focused on paying down their student loan debt to maybe even consider refinancing into private student loans. But now that's completely inadvisable for, for almost everyone out mm -hmm. there right now. Uh, rates have gone up and you lose all of your federal protections if you do that. And so this would be like the absolute wrong thing to do. <laughs> uh, refinancing has basically been taken off the table right now uh, as an option for everyone. So paying off the student loans isn't something that you want to do right now, but you do want to make sure that you are saving up towards that goal of eventually paying towards those student loans, because at some point they are going to restart and yeah. you want to make sure that you are prepared for that reality. Yeah, there was a stat, I think we shared on a Friday flight, something like 53% of student loan borrowers said, uh, my finances would be completely screwed if student loan payments restarted again tomorrow. And we don't want our listeners to be in that position. We want them to be prepared by having socked away more savings 
even though they don't owe any money on these loans and they're at a 0% interest uh, currently, it's like, that's great for borrowers. But you also don't want to be caught completely off guard when those payments resume. And at the same time, like average rates on new student loans, they've only climbed since the pandemic started, largely because of the fact that interest rates have gone up on basically everything. So yeah, if you or your child is in school currently, taking on too much student loan debt is still potentially toxic from a personal finance perspective. It's important to be really cautious before you start taking on tens of thousands of dollars or, or even more in order to get a, uh, a higher degree. And there is the potential that we get some sort of new income-based repayment program, Matt. We've talked about that on the show before. I think that could make a major difference for oh. a lot of borrowers. It's potentially more impactful oh, than yeah. even the student loan forgiveness because of how much it caps payments. And If it goes through as it's currently proposed, it yeah. will have an incredible impact. Yeah. But that's it's just proposed right now. That's still it's vaporware just, right now. Yeah, it's just a proposed policy. Yeah. But if that happens, like that could change the whole student debt conundrum and how people think about taking on student loan debt. I have a feeling it'll actually drive up the cost of college even more substantially. But yeah, borrowing too much, though, simply put, can put you in a precarious financial position for years or even decades to come. And so when it comes until the rules change, the advice is basically to keep student loan debt to a minimum. Um, and yeah, if you have student loan debt to not necessarily be motivated to pay it off quickly, but be motivated to save so that you're ready to eliminate it when the time comes. All right. So that's the reality of how these rising rates, how they are currently impacting different things like our ability to save or some of the different debt obligations that folks might have. But how should you be reacting? Obviously, you want to be rational about it, but we're going to give some specific recommendations on what you should be doing. And we'll get to those right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, Matt, let's keep going. Let's talk about rate hikes, how we can be rational in the face of those rate hikes when it comes to how we save, how we invest, and how we pay off our debt. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, different macroeconomic climates, they call for different reactions from us. And a lot has changed in the past couple of years. And so it does kind of change how we as individuals should react with our personal finances on a whole bunch of levels. We've covered a few specific things already, but we've got more information we want to cover. Here's the thing, though. You don't necessarily want the interest rate tail wagging the personal finance dog. And like to a certain extent, interest rates, they feel like a rising tide, right? It impacts virtually all aspects of our financial lives. But there are ways that we can limit our exposure to having to pay higher rates and increase our exposure to where we're able to yeah, receive the benefit of those higher rates. And that's really kind of like what we're getting to the heart of today. That's right. So first, let's tackle some of the different ways that you can reduce what you're paying out to financial institutions. And the most important recommendation that we have is to cautiously take out any new debt. Uh, we talked about this in a recent Friday flight, but Americans are taking uh, taking on HELOC debt, so home equity, line of credit, debt, like it's their job, man. But HELOCs come with a floating rate. So that means that the typical borrower might have pulled out money, say like at a 5% rate, but maybe now they're paying something like like 7 or 8% on that debt. Dude, they might have taken out home equity line of credit debt at like a 3% rate a few years ago. I mean, <laughs> it's probably, yeah. And, and it might have just ballooned that much. And it might still be good. Some, a lot of times they have like an expiration date of like five years or something like that. But if it's still around, then it could be significantly higher than what they originally thought they were, uh, that they were pulling out. But home equity debt is at a record high of $20 trillion, dude. But again, it's a bad idea to use your home like a piggy bank. It's not always a bad thing, right? Taking on debt, it's, it's sometimes it can be done strategically. We talked about that in episode 637. If it's safe, it's going to help you to get a business off the ground. It might make sense. Uh, maybe make a renovation to that exact same home. Uh, but it's even more important to know the terms before you sign on the dotted line. We, yeah. we want to make sure that you are aware of what you're getting yourself into. I think a lot of people took out HELOC debt and they just assumed, great, <laughs> I'm going to be paying 4% in perpetuity or something like that. But that's not how it works. And these rates are constantly adjusting upward, typically once a month. And so you have to be careful and kind of be looking with that crystal ball into the future. <laughs> not that we can do that perfectly, but some of the writing is on the wall about what's going to happen with rates, at least in the coming months. And if you are going to take out a new loan, it's always smart to check rates from a few different institutions. And specifically now, I think that's even more important in an era of rising rates because when rates are fluctuating as much as they have been, that just makes it all the more necessary because the disparity between rates from different banks and credit unions can be meaningful as rates are just like moving rapidly. So don't just go to your favorite local bank and apply for a home loan or, or a HELOC. Shop around with multiple loan providers so you can compare apples to apples because th this is the kind of thing that could save you 
really like thousands of dollars. And the stakes are just have gotten so much higher as rates have gone up. Just like we talked about the disparity between savings accounts from the big banks. Yeah, there was a gap <laughs> a couple of years ago. Now there's a chasm, right? And so I think the, the same can be true with rates that different uh, banks and credit unions are offering. You're just going to want to make sure you shop around because that gap can be bigger than it, it normally is. Mm -hmm. That's right. But for any debt that you already have, it's important then to check in on those loans. Uh, We want you to make sure that those rates haven't crept higher without you realizing it. Like we mentioned, HELOCs, they've got a variable rate. And those debts are the most precarious within an environment like like we're currently in. Same thing with, uh, with credit card debt. It pretty much always sucks. But we want you hyper-focused on eliminating it as the average rate of credit card debt is nearing 20%. It's always been bad, but it's just way worse now. Uh, and opening a new card to do a balance transfer, that certainly isn't going to be a silver bullet. But if you have a plan to pay that debt off, right, if you are going to be able to lower that rate for a little bit while making progress more quickly, that can make a lot of sense. And oftentimes, as you are putting together a plan, you might be wondering, like, should I be paying? Like, you've got the snowball versus the avalanche debate, right? Like, should I pay off the, 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 the credit card or the debt that has the highest interest rate? Or should I be focusing on the one with the lowest balance? That way, I'm able to see a little more traction. Well, we actually have an article up on the website that talks through the snowball versus the avalanche approach. But either way, we want to make sure that you are thinking through this. We don't want you to just willy-nilly apply for a 0% APR card thinking that this is going to be the, the solution to all your problems when you haven't put together an actual plan to completely and permanently eliminate these high interest rate debts. Yeah, Matt. And I think different people can choose different methods, snowball or avalanche. Like you and I, we've kind of gone back and forth over the years which about which debt payoff style we think makes the most sense. And so, yeah, that Comes article- down to the individual. Yeah, that article can help you decide, like put the information in front of you. Then you say, okay, yeah, I think this one makes more sense for me. But the key, like you said, is to have a plan. Uh, which one you choose, up to you. That's right. But it's, I think it's also important to mention that in an era of rising interest rates, locked in low interest rate debt actually looks pretty good these days, right? And and it likely should be put on the back burner for a lot of people. Kind of like we talked about with Tom Anderson recently, you mentioned episode 637. That was a really interesting conversation. Tom wrote the book, The Value of Debt in Building Wealth, which for to a lot of people might sound counterintuitive, but it makes actually a whole lot of sense based on kind of what we're seeing right now. Because if you have the ability to earn something like 5% on cash that you have socked away, or almost 7% in an I-bond, why are you going to pay extra money towards that 3% mortgage? That's right. It just it doesn't necessarily make financial sense. It might make some psychological sense for some people. Maybe they just prioritize and hate their debt that much that that's still going to be their main focus. But it, this gives you a nice little spread, which offers you, at the same time, more liquidity, more flexibility. And the reality is it, it might make more sense to pay more money towards those fixed rate debts if rates start to fall. But at least for the time being, there are just better things to do with your money. So why would you prioritize eradicating that mortgage really quickly? I mean, when it's just that that easy to get better guaranteed returns, we'd say take the burden in the hand. That's that's guaranteed returns. And that's not even just like hoping that the stock market outperforms. That's right. It's it's a concrete proposal here. It makes me think of my friend Josh. We were talking the other day. I've not heard of anybody with a rate this low, but he has a two and a quarter <laughs> interest what? rate on his house. And I was like, dude, you awesome. are you'd be crazy to ever pay anything extra on that. Did he, um, did he refi two years, exactly two years ago? I think so. I think he yeah. like literally hit the bottom. So it, we were, 
we were tooting that horn pretty loud. Yeah. Just telling folks, just asking folks to consider to at least look at their situ- their financial situation and to see if a, a refund might make sense for them. Yeah. And so if you do have that locked in super low rate, it's one of those things, the era of rising rates makes that locked in rate look kind of like gold. And yeah. so you you probably don't want to touch it uh, and you want to be able to, to take uh, excess money you might have used to pay down debt to do other, to make other better financial moves with it. That's right. Yeah. And again, if you have some current debt, you also might be able to get a better deal on the debt that you currently have by negotiating uh, with whoever it is that's servicing your debt. Uh, and so whether we're talking about credit cards like we've been, but even like medical debt or even back taxes owed to the IRS, it's always an option to hop on the phone, let them know if you are in a particularly difficult financial situation. This can be especially helpful if you've experienced some sort of financial hardship and you literally can't make the payments, like if you've recently lost your job. Uh, but if you have multiple debts and if you feel completely overwhelmed and underwater, it could make sense to reach out to someone like Money Management International or the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Both of those are nonprofits and they can help you to put together a plan that is going to allow you to pay that debt off once and for all. Uh, And I think the other thing somebody might ask is in like an era of rising rates, should that impact how you think about investing? And I think it it can be tempting to change your approach here. There are a lot of people, there was a lot of ink actually spilled a few years back about how the 60-40 portfolio was dead. And that was what, like 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And there uh, are now a lot of people writing about how 60-40 looks really good moving forward. And so it's just interesting. I feel like investing fads, they come and they go, they change. And this rising interest rate environment has a lot of people making prognostications about what the future holds. But our thought as always is to stay the course. What's your investing plan? What are your goals with your money? And I would say, don't let the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal uh, or the talking head on CNBC change your approach because oftentimes a change in approach means you're being reactionary and we still think that the the low cost widely diversified approach it, it kind of remains our favorite in all environments right when when rates are rising when rates are going down like uh, if you're a long-term investor and you're investing for decades to come it's still just a wonderful smart way to invest and this can look like an s p 500 index fund a total stock market fund or a target date fund whichever one makes you feel the most comfortable but you're if you're investing for a, a decade plus in the future there's just no need to to make any changes any shifts to kind of your investment behavior or approach yeah yeah it's so interesting that folks are considering going like moving back to the 60 40 portfolio where they're thinking about incorporating like 40 percent bonds back into their portfolio just because bonds happen to be looking a little bit nicer now right? But fact is, they don't look all that much better than, again, what we've already talked about, what you can earn in a high-yield savings account. Over time, stocks still outperform bonds by a significant margin. And Mm -hmm. so, like you said, if you're looking at a decade-plus time frame, then you... I mean, we don't invest in bonds at all, except for the, the those medium-term I bonds, which are <laughs> kind of fun. You know, it's yeah. sort of like fun money. But when it comes to retirement, well, again, that's a saving. That's not a, that's not changing our investing style. That's that's for savings. Well, right? some folks would be like, "Oh, it's, you're kind of investing for a medium-term goal, right?" But bottom line, but, but it's a guaranteed return, so we're not. It, 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 sure. I think usually when you're investing, returns are well, folks, unknown. Well, but with a sixty-forty portfolio, you forty percent bonds, yeah. right? And so there's a guaranteed return there as well. But bottom line, historically speaking, when you look at what the market has has returned. You you are still going to outperform bonds 
with stocks yeah. in, in our retirement portfolios. You and I don't invest in any bonds. <laughs> like we're that sold on actually investing in stocks. Yeah. Uh, well, and I do want to mention at the very beginning of the episode, I kind of talked about how the macro environment, like you have to kind of stick your finger to the wind. It's And, and it's just like kind of checking the weather before you go out in the day. It changes what you wear. I think of investments as being kind of like the underwear that you put on every day. Like, uh, yes, you change your underwear every day, but you're wearing the same thing every day, right? Like, And, and so I, I think that's how we should think about investing is it's this piece of clothing that remains the same. And, sure. and yeah. you don't you don't want to shake anything up on that front. While you might be putting on different pants or shorts or long sleeves or jackets or something like that, the investments are kind of one of those tried and true boring things that you don't don't really mess with. That's right. Yeah. So rate hikes, they you know, they've already impacted our economy in a meaningful way. But the Fed, they've got one major goal, and that's for inflation to chill out. And while we've seen some downward movement, we're also not terribly close to the end goal either. But while rate hikes can be painful in some areas of your personal finances, there are also going to be ways that you can react uh, thoughtfully, no, wait, uh, rationally, sorry, <laughs> uh, in order to blunt the worst effects uh, and to insulate yourself from the most severe downsides. Uh, and you can even benefit from the, the positives that come from rising rates as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, use this opportunity to finally get a fully funded emergency fund of at least three to six months worth yeah. of, of expenses. Maybe even considering that up to six to nine months, play it on the more, more on the safer side yeah. like uh, my family does. I mean, yeah, so much of it depends, again, on your specific scenario. And I think one, one other thing to consider probably with rising rates is that it could. It hasn't upset the the job market yet, Matt. You mentioned that earlier, still the lowest unemployment rate since 1969. But there is a chance that moving forward, if rate hikes continue and the economy does experience a little damage because of it, we could see more layoffs. And so it just it's another call to, yes, fortunately, savings accounts are paying more. But if your job is more unstable, if your family finances are more unstable, savings matters even more. If we do, like, and people have been predict- predicting recessions, it feels like for a couple of years now, and it hasn't really come to pass. But I would say this is a call to be prepared for that potential reality as well. Yeah. But let's get back to our beer. You and I, man, we enjoyed a Schwartz beer. Uh, this is, a, it says it's a lager. But this isn't a normal lager. No, um, it's like a dark lager. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess that's, that's, you know, it is darker. And so because of that, I think it's got some of those maltier flavors. Like, so if, if a regular lager is like white bread, well, then this is whole wheat, baby. There you go. Uh, because it does have more of, you know, like whole wheat bread. It's slightly, it's not as sweet, right? Like it's a, maybe a touch more bitter. It's got some more of that browning going on. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on here with a Schwartz beer. But uh, I did enjoy it. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Well, my first thought was, may the Schwartz be with you, which is maybe, <laughs> maybe think of Spaceballs, which oh, is... Yeah. A classic, a true classic movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I think I remember watching that when I was like eight years old or something like that. <laughs> I think I was probably too young to watch it, but the kids in the neighborhood were watching it. Uh-huh. And I just remember thinking, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Dark helmet, all that stuff. Well, I, yeah, this is like this dark, roasty, but also kind of crisp lager. So it's just an interesting combo. You don't think of those things going together, but I think your bread explanation probably is the best way to think about this beer. But I, I thought it was delicious, even though it's kind of a rare style that I don't know if had many Schwartz beers in my life, maybe a couple. So it's kind of fun to get to try this one. Absolutely. And another big thanks to Matthew for sending us this beer. We appreciate it, man. Most deaf. We will make sure to include a picture of this beer up in our show notes, up on the website, along with any of the resources that we may, may have mentioned, including maybe a link to treasurydirect.gov, which is where you can buy some of those I-bonds. Mm-hmm. And we'll make sure to link to some other helpful stuff there as well. But buddy, that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.